And welcome to the 17th episode of The Fist, The Whole Fist and Nothing But The Fist, So Help Me Pod, the official Fistball Australia podcast, i.e. T-F-T-W-F-A-N-B-T-F-S-H-M-P-T-O-F-A-P. Very good. I'm your host, Chris Mario Milne, and once again, I am joined for this Anzac Day recording uh, by my usual co-host, Marco Mr. Fister, Don Lasash. Yes. G'day, Mark. Thank you very much. Uh, glad to be here. And I must say, it took pretty much every ounce of my being to not get absolutely hammered watching my boys have a big win today over our arch rivals so um <laughs> i yeah i was like oh, okay i've got to try and keep a lid on it before tonight so um that was a big job oh, we appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> it was a good win though yeah okay let's uh let's introduce our guest for today so i'll do my usual introduction even if you don't know our guest today by name, if you've watched any fistball games over the last six or so years, then there's a good chance you know his voice. A pillar of his club, TV Stamheim, in Stuttgart, Germany, he spends his days playing fistball, coaching fistball teams, teaching fistball to new players, helping to run fistball operations, cutting fistball field grass to the perfect length with his own personalized pair of grass-cutting scissors, running the fistball meat tray raffle at the club, whipping up cocktails as a Stamheim club bar resident mixologist, we're assuming, and probably many other things. As a stalwart of the IFA, he has been integral in our in the international expansion of the sport, and he has been a big part of the development here in Australia. But, as mentioned earlier, he may be best known as one of the voices of the IFA. In fact, some may say that he is the IFA's go-to commentator for international matches due to his excellent English skills and his sharp wit. All sports have one of these guys. Basketball has Marv Albert. English football has Martin Tyler, F1 Racing had Murray Walker, and it's fair to say that Fistball has Alvin Oberkesh. Welcome to the podcast, Alvin. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I really wonder, where do you get your information from? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you told me before we started, Alvin. Are you, are you lying? Oh, right. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really a pleasure to be with you. I'm really looking forward for the next seven hours, as you told me. Yeah, yeah, about seven hours. Yeah, give or take. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on then. Uh, we usually do our drinks for this part of the podcast. Malcolm, I know you're etching to to have one. Would you uh, like to know? Let us know what you have. Yeah, sure. I have been uh, hanging out for beers for a, for a, a few hours this afternoon. So um, I've got I've bought two along. I've bought one um, one German beer and one one very Australian beer. Um, the German beer, I don't even really know how to pronounce this, but it's a Echt Schlinkerler Rackbeer. Rackbeer? Anyway, <laughs> I found this at the, uh, at the bottle shop. It's from, um, Bamberg. From Bamberg. Looks very traditional. Bavarian beer. Yeah. Yeah, it is. A- apparently it's, um, one of the, the last true smoked beers. Oh. I don't know. Anyway. Wow. So I have that. Um, but I'm not going to open that first because it's a bottle and I like to open a can. My very, very Australian beer that I've got um, is by our good friends at Moondog, who we've had on a lot of our beers on. This one's called the Timothy Tamothy Slamothy. And so it's a it's a chocolate biscuit milk stout, which I'm not convinced is going to be great. You're a brave man. Yeah, we, ha- we have these biscuits in Australia, um, Alvin, called Tim Tams. And they're a very famous uh, chocolate biscuit. All Australians love them. 
And there's a thing that you do with like coffee or hot chocolates called a Tim Tam Slam where you bite the corners off it and then you drink the chocolate, hot chocolate or the coffee through the biscuit. And so the idea is that you're supposed to do that with the beer, which I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to... You're going to do it. I'm going to do it live on air for their out. It's going to be yeah. very vis- it's going to be very visual for our radio audience. Um, listening, we we are happy that that, that we can see him. Yeah, yes. Listening to me, try to drink. Yeah, we'll report back the facial expressions yeah. he makes as he does this. Yeah, or if I'm if I'm off podcast, just quietly vomiting in the toilet for the next ten minutes. Well, we can do that too. I think he's a bit frightened. I, I can see the fear in your eyes. I can see it definitely. He's shivering. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, so I've got my biscuit. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I really need a, one that fits in my glass better, but anyway, I'll give this a try. Easy. Well, it seems to work. I'm very impressed. <laughs> this is Australian culture. <laughs> <laughs> this is Australian culture. Interesting facial expression, face. though. Yeah. Oh, that, that is really unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> That is not going to catch on. I it's can, not going to catch on? I don't think that's going to catch on. Oh. But anyway, I did it. Kudos to you for so, trying it though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brave man. Congratulations. Yeah. Really. So, yeah. so there you go. That's my contribution to German and Australian beer. And chocolate biscuits. <laughs> Very good. Oh, now, my, now this is also the worst tasting Tim Tam <laughs> I've ever had in my life because it's had stout sucked through it. That's a, that's a, that's a lose-lose situation. It's a double failure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. Uh, Avan, what have you got? Do you have anything today? Uh, yes, but unfortunately I cannot go with beer today because it's a quite normal Sunday and it's lovely weather. So I have yes. to play ball with, with my three boys all the time. We've been playing three hours this morning, football, fistball, whatever you can play in the garden. Hmm. And so I decided only for a little water with some raspberry <laughs> because... As soon as we are over, I have to go back to the garden and play fistball and football and everything you can play with a ball. Yes. With three, with three boys. And they are four, six and eight years. Yeah. But they really know how to play. And uh, I'm one of the favorite teammates they have. So cheers without any cheers. beer. Maybe right <laughs> yeah. out from the, from the training camp here in my home and in my garden. <laughs> Uh, it's very, it's very sensible, Ivan. I don't, you don't want to be the uh, the dad bent over having a little cheeky vomit in the bushes and then running back to play with your kids. You know, it's it's very sensible to hydrate instead. That's my that's my <laughs> job. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I would like to be, but they don't let me. I, I don't, I don't really have a choice. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, I'll get on to mine. Um, I've actually been nursing a cold all week, so I was actually going to go a non-alcoholic originally as well. Um, I was thinking maybe a, a, a like a ginger and lemon tea or something, but uh, I mean, I'll, I'll play along. I've got a, a ginger beer today, so you know, I guess it's got the ginger. I didn't even actually think of that when I picked it up, but yeah, it's got ginger in it, so I guess that's good for my uh, my cold, right? Um, it's an alcoholic ginger beer from Little Bang Brewery called Zinger Beer, and it's got a little bit of animation on the top there. But open that up and spill it all over myself. There we go. But the can design is very, very pretty. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of what they're all doing now. Yeah, well, I've actually had a, got a bit of a cold myself, and I had to go and get um, 
my work told me I had to go and get COVID tested today and I can't come back to work until I get the results back. So I guess that means I'm not going to work tomorrow, which means oh, I can get drinking tonight. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> long weekend. How hard, how hard for you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of the issues, right? Like I've, I came down with a cold, I think on Tuesday and my youngest also has a cold, but now... You know, I was saying to my partner back in the day, you, you pick the one day where the symptoms are probably the the least tolerable and you take that day off and then every other day you slug through. But now it's just like, if I step in, if I step into that office with anything resembling a cold, you know, the, the alarms will go off. So trying to take it easy and stay at home. Um, been home for a week now. So yeah, it's good nice fun. One. It's good fun. Fist. Fist. Let's move on then uh, to everyone's favorite section, I'm assuming, Mal, the uh, the very delayed news section. <laughs> I was just thinking about it the other day, you know, people probably see that and go, you know, they probably hear it and go, that's great. We knew about that maybe two and a half weeks ago. Thanks for telling us. But uh, do we have any news? Um, I think there was the cancellation of the, is it the 2019 IFA World Tour Finals, I think, got cancelled? Well, moved again. Well, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty good question. It's it's moved now for the second time. Yep. Yeah. So it was the 2020 version. 2020 was moved to 2021, and now again for a year 2022. Mm. Sucks. <laughs> I bet. Sorry to say so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing there's going to be one year, right, where we're going to have. Well, I guess we won't have a 2020 World Tour, mm. so I guess there won't be a build up. I was thinking there'll be a build up of World Tour finals, but. I guess there'll only be one. Yeah, it's like cut cut off the calendar a whole year yeah. or even more Yeah. in the meanwhile. Absolutely. Given that we're one of the few countries that can actually play fistball, maybe we should host the World Tour Finals here and no one else can come and then we'll just mm. win it. Brilliant idea. Is, is yeah. that official? Would <laughs> <laughs> be great. Would be really great. Congratulations, yeah. Fist Club. So now you have it. Fist Club World Champions. Yeah. Bryce will be stoked. I was thinking of posting a, a joke image on the uh, Facebook page about FIFA setting up a, a super league with uh, Fist Club Melbourne and Fist Club Geelong, um, breaking away from the uh, the VFL. But unfortunately, the super league fell apart faster than I could even uh, put together a meme. So <laughs> probably good news, I think. <laughs> but if you are the only one, you're you're Real Madrid of fistball. Yeah, that's right. If you remain as the only club who is taking part. Well, I guess it is this probably. Well, it's not yeah fistball news, but it's probably the the biggest news that's been sort of happening on the global sporting, European sporting calendar at least in the last couple of weeks is the the rise and very rapid fall of the uh, the European Super League. Um, I mean, yeah, what what were your thoughts on it, Alvin? Obviously, you're um, mm. in in Germany and a part of some of the the biggest football leagues around. What what were the what was the general feeling amongst people you spoke to about it? About the Super League? Yeah. Well, as as far as I can see, or, or what I heard and read. It's all about the money and that is my impression too. That is not about a competition, about sports or whatever value sports stands for. It's only for making this billions of money that, that fails in, in Madrid, in Barcelona, wherever, mm -hmm. to, to come back somehow to the clubs. And this is yep. not a good thing to, to say it very gentle. Mm. No, it's a, it's a catastrophe, such an idea. Having no qualification, no sports motive at all. Mm. So I'm I'm very glad that it doesn't it doesn't continue. Yeah, I think so. And I, I was pretty impressed with how I guess the just the media or the public uproar against it. And I and I never even saw, you know, even supporters of the clubs 
that were mm. proposed to go in at, like Manchester United supporters and stuff like that. Even they all seemed to be very much against it. So I, I yeah, it was it was very very negative. They, mm. I don't think they read the room at all before <laughs> announcing that <laughs> mm. at all. Bizarre, and to have such big teams as part of that that had all agreed to it and all signed up to it, and then immediately all backed out. It was just just a fascinating lack of reading of the room, like you said. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Even if you if you're like like Liverpool and you join this group and you sign a contract, and after one day, people from your own club tell we didn't know about it, we don't uh, think it's a good decision. How do they do this? Just on their own? Is it just one person who signs a contract without talking in the club? Yeah. It's oh, it's it's really unbelievable for me. Mm. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe it would be a nice thing to see such games every week. Sure, but this is against everything what sports stands for yeah this is more like entertainment yeah well at least now west brom would probably be uh doing pretty well in the premier league i reckon if, if six of those teams yeah that's right mate <laughs> if they kick, kick six of the teams out we won't get we won't get relegated that'll be good <laughs> <I> hope so. <laughs> um is there any other was there any other news i don't think there was Mal, do you know anything? Uh, no, not nothing. I guess the Stamheim... Uh, not that important ones. Your tournament got cancelled. Ah, the, yeah, the tournament. Well, we, we waited for for pretty long time and, and we hoped that maybe one or two weeks before there there could be a, a green light um, to have a tournament this year, but it's 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 absolutely not possible. The, the situation in Germany is, is always an up and down and played by the media a lot, of course. And for the for the sports club, it's it's really hard um sometimes uh, we have on sunday evening they they communicate um there's a change what you can do what you cannot do you have to 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 use it from monday morning on so you have one night to react and this is this is a thing uh, it's not good to communicate like this and for the sports club it's it's really difficult uh, we are we we plan a tournament and we don't know if we can host it in one or two weeks later and so at the end, we, we just had to, to draw the decision not to play it this year. And all the tournaments around us, like, uh, like Feingen or Karlsdorf, other big tournaments here in the south of Germany, they also had to, to withdraw and, and to not play it this year. And with the, with the Bundesliga or all the leagues, uh, we hope maybe we can start at the end of May or maybe in the middle of June. So this is the plan right now. And, but now at the moment, nobody's allowed to, to really train. So we, we in Stuttgart, we have the possibility to train with the Bundesliga team um, because there are special regulations for the for the top teams in every sport. Mm-hmm. But all the other teams in, in our club, like youth teams and, and the second, the third team, whatever, they are not allowed to meet at all. And really, really difficult situation. But of course, we are not the only ones. Maybe it's the same at all the other countries. But it's not fun. It's not fun anymore. And And I think we only can hope that we don't lose too many players, too many... Uh, youth players, also adults, also trainers, coaches, whatever, everybody who is involved in this whole yep. scene. I hope that everybody comes back. Yes, you hope you hope it has the opposite effect, right? You hope that everyone mm. comes back with a vengeance almost because they've missed football so much and they've missed the, the camaraderie and the, the connection with the club and, and so on, that they all really come back. Um, but you don't know until until you you find out, I guess. Hopefully. Yeah. It's a hard topic. I, I'm really mad about discussing that and talking about that. Uh, <laughs> Let's. I just want it to be over. Really, I just want it to be over. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Nah, good. And going back to normal life. Yeah, 
Yeah, we're, we're sort of in a, I guess, a, a different situation here in Australia where the, we've pretty much eradicated the virus in Australia, but because the borders are closed, no one can really come in or out. It's sort of, we're sort of living normally, but yeah, the it's like we can't go anywhere or do anything else with it. And so it's, it's hard seeing, yeah, the, the rest of the world sort of still struggling with it where we've kind of moved past it. But I mean, we had, um, a, there was a big football match in Melbourne today and they had 78,000 people, spectators there, which I think is the biggest sporting crowd in, in the world in over 12 months, just because so many leagues that where they're still playing, they still haven't got crowds and stuff there. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just everything's all very strange. Like I said, I think we're all just just sick of it and um, really just want to hopefully get back to normal. Absolutely. Fist. Boy. All right, let's um move on then. Let's 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 talk about Alvin. Uh, <laughs> that's where we got you on. <laughs> what, what a topic. <laughs> from, um, from from Corona directly to Alvin. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't say speaking of Corona, so let's. let's this is a total topic change. <laughs> I suppose let's run everyone through how you, how you got into football, Alvin. How did you how did you start? Were you is this a um, is this a family thing? Is this an Oberkirsch family football thing, or is this something that you came to by yourself? Uh, no, completely different. Um, I think that I'm a very special one um, <laughs> con- concerning uh, regarding this um, because I played football until I was 18 years. So my whole youth, okay. um, I was a football player and I came in contact when I was around 15 or 16 years uh, with a guy from, from my club, from TV Stammheim. It was in a ski camp and he asked me, hey, there's a kind of fun tournament in the club playing football. You, you're a football player. Come on, you're a sportive guy. You could play with us. We just need some guys who are not playing football so we can take part in this fun tournament. And I said, yeah, okay, why not? And then I had two or three years um playing football time by time but but still playing football and when i yeah when i was 18 or 19 i decided completely to change the sports not to stay in football but um remain only as a football player okay and that is how i came to the sport what was the driving factor for you wanting to swap across like what did you like more about football yeah it, it, it wasn't really because of the sport but more because of all around the sport um Maybe, maybe I have to explain when, when I was in, in my club in Stammheim, um, when I was 15, I had the decision if I want to, to change the club. Um, Stuttgarter Kickers is the second big club in, in Stuttgart beneath the VfB that now also plays in the Bundesliga. And they wanted me as a youth player. And I, they told me or they asked me if I want to, to come to them. And I had to, to do this decision if I try to get a more maybe professional way or not. But I knew it was... Ah, I didn't. I didn't have too much support from my family. They didn't want to drive me. Um, it was a uh, going from from one side of the city to the other by train or by bus um, five times a week. And when you play on the on the weekends, yeah. In this club, they don't say we meet at the club and then we drive together. But they tell you, yeah, we are playing there three hours away. We meet two o'clock there. So you need the support of the family and yeah. and I think also the decision to try it to to become maybe more professional. Maybe I didn't believe in it enough or maybe the, the borders were too high. And, and so I stood in my club and um, the, we were the eldest, the eldest players, the eldest youth players. And in football, you always play in leagues. And if you don't have elder players before you, you start in the lowest league. 
And doing this um, yeah. in a city, you play against all the all the teams that maybe are not the best, and often um, yeah, crime is a thing that 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 you meet at the sports places. If you win, they wait with a knife for you after the games, and it's always about fighting. And right. these were things that I didn't like at all. I love playing football, but the situation in this club wasn't so nice. And and what I experienced in football was completely different. It was a uh, together after the game. You can drink a beer. You can sit with your opponents. It's never about fighting or or knives or kicking or whatever. And maybe this, or not maybe, but I'm I'm pretty sure this was the point where I said, okay, I decided not to try to to get professional. So I need a sport that I really like and I really enjoy. And that was the point where I changed to football completely. So from from 18 or 19 years on. I was only more a football player and not more a football player. Nice. That's my story. Yes. And so you've been and you and you've been at Stamheim the whole time, right? Yeah, yeah, the whole time. Yeah. Um yeah, we we, we often we often discussed in Stamheim because when, when we started um to, to play as adults, we were in the I think the fourth or even the fifth league in Stamheim. So so we weren't a very successful club. We were about the first guys who, who really tried to to play a bit higher. Um, and of course, there were good clubs. I'm talking to the other guys from my team. Do you want to change? Do you want to join us? We are playing in the Bundesliga. And we decided as a group of, of young guys, we want to make it on ourselves. We want to get up. We want to achieve um, all the things we want to achieve with our club. And, and so we made it. And we stood together and we went up and up, went to the second league, went to the first league. And in 2004, well, the... The way was at the end. We we have achieved the first league. Nice, nice. What what division are you? Is the main team in now? You're coaching, right? Um. Yeah. Also. Also. Um. Coaching, but also playing. Oh man. Oh wow. Look at you. <laughs> so you're playing in the. <laughs> you're playing in the first team still. Still. Yeah. I don't know how long, but still. Still, I play. Holding the on. the body works, and as long as I can play with the young guys, I will do. I I don't know how many years. Um. When you have kids and everything, you know, it's it's mm. not too easy. But yeah. I still play. Yes, awesome. nice one. Uh, just while you were talking about your your club, um, obviously one of the one of the big things that um, that happened uh, sadly around the, the time of the 2019 World Championships was that uh, there was a uh, a fire at, at your club in, in Stamheim, and sadly, um, yeah, we didn't really even get to see you at that those World Championships because you uh, had to leave to. To head back to Stamheim to um to help with the club and um how's how's that all been going with the rebuilding and, and getting the club club going again? Yeah, that is really a crazy thing. Um, I I remember the day at the World Championships in in Switzerland. I woke up about seven. It was the day of the congress, and I had a message from three o'clock in the night, and it was about the club is burning. You have to come as fast as you can. And so, so I informed Jörn, I told him, sorry, I cannot um, be at the world champs anymore. I have to go home because the club was burnt this night and I drove there. And yeah, we, we are still struggling with this. Um, we are rebuilding it. Um, but it was, uh, a long and a hard way even to start the whole rebuilding thing about insurances and talking with the city and talking with so many players who are involved in this whole process. Um, but not we, uh, now we hope in, in September or October of this year, Maybe it will be completely ready, the, the whole rebuild. Yeah, but it took us two years now. Mm. So I'm guessing everyone chipped in in the, uh, in the neighborhood and everyone chipped in and helped. Yeah, well, there, there isn't too much to help, um, to, to be honest, because 
yeah, the, all, all the work that has to be done has to be done by, by, by companies, by really pros. So it, yeah. it wouldn't be very helpful. Of, of, a lot of people um, contacted us and asked, can we help something? Can we do something? But if, if, you have a, if such a big building is burned, it's really hard to do by your own, yeah. also for security reasons. Yeah. But a lot of people were, were with us also by, by spending money, also crowdfunding, also in the Fistball yeah. community was very successful. A lot of people from all over the world uh, showed their, their responsibility and, and showed that they feel with us and, and spend a lot of money. And for sure, that helped also to, to get over this whole thing. Yeah. And so that, the building, that building, is that just the Stamheim Fistball or was that the, is the football club part of that as well? Or? Now we are a club um, around about um, 2,000 members and we have a lot of sports. We, we don't have football in our club. We have a, a second club um, in Stamheim that is the football club. But we have a lot of sports like like tennis, running, table tennis, um, badminton, skiing, whatever, a lot of things. And the fistball section is yes, around about 200 persons. So this is the fistball section and, and the whole building is for all the club um, where we have a lot of sports inside, where we meet. Um, so it's not only for fistball, but of course, um, all the sections needed. Mm. Moving on to the IFA, how did you get involved in the IFA, the administration side of things? Because you were... One of our first contacts, I think, when we started setting up, obviously with um, with Roger and with Carl. Right. Yeah. And how did how did you get involved? Um, I was I was involved in in Germany um way earlier. I started in two thousand five, I think, um in, in the education of trainers, wow. and I came also to the to the DFBL to the German Association, um to be a member there, and I worked with them. And in 2013, at the World Games in Cali, in Colombia, Carl Weiss came up to me and, and he told me about the plans he has with IFA, where he does want to go, what he wants to develop. And he asked me if I want to be a part of it. And I said, yeah, of course, why not? Sounds good. Everything he told me sounds really interesting. And so in 2014, we always stood in contact. And in 2015, um, I was elected at the Congress in Argentina. Where you also yeah. um, came up for the first time. Yeah. 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 So this was my nice. start. Yeah. And for very different tasks for everything like um, with the nations, what Roger Willen is doing in the meantime, um, from helping at all the championships, like commentaries, whatever. And now even more for the referees. Yeah. There are a lot of things to do. And it's always good to be a part of it and, and to help to develop fistball. Yeah. What's your favorite part of? Being that, like is it the commentating is it the coaching is it the what, what do you prefer the most out of all the ifa duties that you have all in all it's all in all it's 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 the part of a player all in all the part of a player is is the very very best um yeah without any doubt um in the ifa i poo it's really hard to answer this question i, I cannot say the commentary is really fun yeah, it's 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 really fun because i'm a person who always um, starts to read a game and to tries to understand the tactic. What are they doing and how are they doing it? And and so if you act as a commentary, you always have the chance to share this uh, with others, to discuss this uh, with a co-commentary. This is really fun. Um, yeah. But also all the other things um, that that you can support um, during a championship. Also now with the referees is very interesting. And I think the most important thing is um, that fistball yeah comes comes forward and comes closer to the to the big goal um to be a ioc recognized sport and federation what about the uh so 
you first came in contact with us at the 2015 World Champs. Yep. How was it commentating that game versus South Africa? Was it difficult? <laughs> well, it, it it depends. It depends. Um, on 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 the one hand, it's on the one hand, it's it's very easy um, mm. because there are two teams, and it's it's absolutely obvious how they are playing, what is the standard they are playing, the quality of the game. So so you don't yeah. have to explain this; everybody can see. But on the other hand, of course, it's it's not the most easy thing um if you cannot <laughs> say too much about tactics and yep. battles of the game and what is the game about and what is the key to success yep. so this is it's a bit hard always yeah <laughs> yeah a lot but, of it but i enjoyed it enjoyed it a lot uh, this game it, it was one of the highlights for me yeah well i think that's why we're trying to play up to the crowd right to kind of gloss over the the lack of um Skill, I guess you'd say, Mal. The lack of a... <laughs> that is what you said. Yeah, that's, that's, those are your words, not mine. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> Only for the protocol. This is what Chris said. Yeah, yeah I think, um, I mean, this was a later game, a 2019 game against um, against Japan where you commentated it with Liz Meacham. And uh, yeah. I, was, I, was, I, think I've, I think I've reached out to you after I watched it because it, was, it was cracked me up. It was very funny commentary. And it was, uh, <laughs> there was just points there where you were just like, well, you weren't really sure what to say anymore because it had gone for like seven, yeah. 17 hits. And you're like, now we're just counting hits. Cause, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. It's true. <laughs> In such a situation, it's, it's really hard. What, what should you say? Everybody sees. Well, you're, you're not a radio commentary. So everybody sees. The ball is played over the net again, <laughs> and is defended, and is set, and played over the net again. So what what should we say in such a situation? So these are the situations where I'm very glad if you have a co-commentary. Oh, definitely. So you can just just talk around a bit. What is the situation in New Zealand, Liz? And do you know the Australian guys? And so yeah. so you can have some side talks. This this yeah. really helps a lot. Yeah, I can't imagine doing that with one person. Yeah. That'd be incredibly difficult. I guess the other thing too is obviously like if you're if you're commentating a a game where Germany's playing or or even Germany Austria or Switzerland any of the big countries like you also know a lot about each of the players and their background and what clubs they come from and you know who was part of the German championships and all these sort of other other things that you can talk about whereas when you're commentating countries that you don't really know so much about the players yeah you don't have as much background fluff yeah. to fill the to fill the empty time you know when you when you're like this there is not much happening in this game and i have don't have that much stuff to to add into it so that is that is why you need a co-commentary then you can talk like like we talk now this this game could be right now and we are just talking about something different and maybe coming back to the game after some minutes and see ah it's still the same score yep. it's still one one and they're still playing over the net <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. exactly <laughs> Oh, um, did you get to commentate with the the English guy much? I've forgotten his name off the top of my head. Um, no, to to be honest, I don't feel one hundred percent good in in doing a commentary in English. Um, in the, in the first years, I only commentated in German. Um, it it wasn't very common to do it in English. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, we we always had federations and nations who didn't speak German, mm. but it wasn't a big topic, and so I could do the commentary in in my language in German. And yep. it's, it's very easy to, to transport everything you want to say about the game in your own language. And yep. more and more, I, I got the impression I cannot really say everything I want to say when I do it in English. And, and this was the, yeah, it was the time when I told Jörn and also Christoph, 
maybe it would be good to have a professional, a, a native speaker um, who can really do it hmm. yeah, really professional. I, I have got the impression we are the, the World Federation and there is a guy who, yeah, he can speak English. It's, it's not too bad. He can say what he wants to say, hmm. but yeah, it's not really that professional. And, and that was the, was the moment when I told him maybe it would be good to, to search for a professional hmm. guy who is an English native speaker and maybe he could do it better. Maybe it can be a co-commentary or something, hmm. but I think it's the better decision um, not to do it anymore when, when it shall be really professional. And that is where we want to go. Okay. I mean, I think it's good to have a, not necessarily a German speaker, but someone who is uh, very well versed in the sport as a co-commentator. I think it's really important for getting the technical stuff out. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other guy, another name that I can't recall. I think he might've been German, who was also a commentator at the 2019 World champs. Yeah. And he was very good. He was very... Um, do you know what his name was? Yeah, Uli. Uli. Uli, yeah. Uli, Uli, yeah. He was very good. He was very... I mean, his English was very good as well, but he was very um, technical in what he was He was saying about the game and kind of breaking it down a bit more. And also just the the background information on, on all the players and the teams and, you know, what they did at the last World Champs and, you know, where, uh, the last time they got to this position and which teams have improved the most or have done better than what he expected... Whereas obviously an English professional commentator coming in, he's kind of going, he's done a little bit of background research and he's got a piece of paper in front of him. But I mean, like when he was commentating our game for one of our games, I think the Belgian one, he, he obviously doesn't have a lot of information. So all he was talking about was how old we were. <laughs> <laughs> he, had, uh, he, he, he had our ages in front of him. So. Yeah, but <laughs> and he, he kept going back to that. <laughs> normally he's, he's very perfectionistic. So, so I, I know him very well. He also comes from my club, from, from Stammheim. You didn't seem to know that. Oh, Uli. Very well. oh. Yeah, yeah, he's also from, from my club. And he's very perfectionistic. Um, when he does something like this, he prepares a lot and he tries to call a lot of people. Uh, he... He has phone calls with the national coaches of, of some clubs and really tries to get some information to be perfectly prepared and have statistics and data and whatever. And yeah, so he's, he's really a good choice for a mm. co-commentary or for role of the expert. Definitely. Yeah, I think they worked really well together. The, the games that I've, that I've watched, I think. Yeah, the, 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 the British guy, he's, he sounds fantastic. It's, mm. I still find it really strange listening, like watching Fistball <laughs> with this really, strong british accent for a bbc voice yeah like a bbc yeah, voice yeah. and like from a country that doesn't play fistball it has this and it's sort of like it's a bit weird but but he sounds yeah he's got the real the real bbc voice and then but yeah you can tell he doesn't really know the sport sort of inside out but then yeah having uli there to um with a lot of that sort of really in-depth knowledge i think they they work they worked really well together I think this is the right way. Um, if we, we have better and better video material, so, so we also need a very professional commentary. Uh, if we want to share this at the Olympic Channel or somewhere, it must look and sound very professional. I'm, I'm convinced this is exactly the right way to do it like this. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you mentioned 2015, like there's, there's a, a massive change between the, the 2015 world champs and the 2019 world champs in how much more sort of English was than was than the main language yeah you I mean you mentioned you were nominated at the uh, at the Congress in 2015 so at least the bonus was there you got to be nominated three times you got to be nominated in German Spanish and English so that was, uh, that was, a, that was a bonus for you. this was a long session yeah oh that was the longest that Congress was oh my god that was it was it was epic, but but yeah, I think um, I think there there was definitely a big, a noticeable 
difference between um, yeah 2015 and 2019 as 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 far as really embracing um, sort of English as the main language. And I think yeah, I'm sure we'll see see that again even more so with 2023. Yeah, for me, this is an absolute question of respect. Um, everybody has to understand what is talked about. Um, before 2015, it was quite normal that German is the, the, the main language on the court, beside the court. And if someone doesn't understand, so what? Uh, what a pity for him, but we don't care. Yeah. And it's, it's really a matter of respect. This is also what I, what I tell the referees now. We, we will have one official court language for every game. And this must be a language that both teams and also the referee can speak. Mm. It can be Spanish if both teams and the referee can speak Spanish. It can be German if it's Germany versus Switzerland and a referee from Austria. But if we have any other countries involved that, that don't speak this language, it has to be English. Mm. This is a matter of respect. Everybody gets the, the whole information that is said by a referee or, or at a congress or whatever. Yeah. Mm. And I guess as you know, as the game continues to grow, there's a fairly finite number of German-speaking nations in the world, and I think most of them are probably already playing fistball. I don't, I don't see too many other German-speaking countries out there that are ready to start playing fistball. So it's like, mm. as, as the game's going to keep getting bigger, you're just going to get more and more countries that either speak English as a first language or English as a second language. Yeah, absolutely. And so it makes sense that it's that it's the the main language of the of the the big tournaments, at least, and the the international tournaments. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely with you. So this is language must be a tool. It must be a tool to help everyone to play this, to to play his role in the federation and in the international fistball. So we just have to use it, even if it's not that easy. For me, it would be easy in German today. <laughs> <laughs> we'll switch to that for the second part of this episode. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> God, that'd be brutal. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's let's jump back a little bit. Um, I just wanted to talk briefly about the 2016 women's world champs. So, I mean, the possums probably don't get talked about enough on our podcast, but you were there for that. You got to meet the possums and yeah, in, in Brazil. Yeah. So how was that kind of getting to know them? Really, really nice. And they, they were the, yeah, I think they were the, the smallest day or the, the youngest nation who took part in that, in the championship. Oh. And in, in the last year we had so many newcomers and it's always a pleasure to have a newcomer right. um, no matter if that was uh, New Zealand or Australia or South Africa whoever everybody brings a fresh wind and, and new ideas and yeah of course it's it's not the, the same quality of play um, I think it's very important that we have a, a highly uh, placed product um, with games like Brazil Germany where everybody can watch and say yes it's athletic you can really watch it it's a great game but there is also the place for the smaller nations, like like the possums were, and everybody loved them, and, and they were appeared there in their nice dresses, as you also did. I mean, the men's world championship mm. seems to be a very Australian thing to do. Yeah, and yeah, everybody loved them. It's it's just a it's an upgrade for a for a championship. Yeah, if you have the big nations and also the small nations. Yeah, great. Yeah, I think I think the one thing we do have is that as far as I as I know it, this. Three world championships, two men's and one women's. That Australia, the undefeated best dressed fistball teams, um, and I don't think anyone's even really got close. So it's um, officially awarded. Officially, officially awarded. Yes. In the case of the women, it was for the possums. Yeah, they actually, they, they did get an award. Yeah, yeah. Where, where, where's our award for that? Yeah, I mean they they lucked out a little bit, or well, lucked out in the bad sense, I guess. Just in that that particular world champs, they just happened to be going up against. Or is it the six best teams in the world? And the possums had their very first experience. So they were obviously very outmatched in, in every one of their games. But they 
you know, they gave it their all and they they won over quite a few fans. And I think uh, the purple was a pretty pretty popular. Uh, I don't know if that that color had ever been seen on the football field before. So that was a nice uh, a, a nice first. Yeah, right. But but do you know what what I would really love? What's that? A first appearance of a youth team from Australia. Yes. Uh, U U eighteen national team. That would be really great. I I really appreciate and and love when you the the boys or the men and the mm. women are playing. But it would be such a great step if you could send a U18 national team to a world championship. Yeah. That would be really great because this is the future of the sport. Yeah. And and we are we are. Are you saying that we're not getting any younger? Alvin? We are decreasing. Are you that we're not getting any younger. <laughs> all all of us will not. I'm sure all of us will not. That is that is why I'm training in the garden with my boys. Yes. Maybe I can meet you on the other side of the pitch in 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> when when our boys play against each exactly. other, that would be my dream. Yeah, yeah. I would love this. Well, I, I can I can say categorically that between us, me and Milne have five girls. So we we have an Australian women's fistball team. <laughs> they just have an average age of about three years old at this point. But yeah, give it so another say. Well, yeah, my my youngest yeah. Another twenty twenty years. Yeah, twenty years. Maybe not even twenty. Like Eighteen years, something like that. And yeah. um, we we can we'll figure something mm. out at, at least. But hopefully, we'll have something before then. Yeah. Well, um, we're working on it. I think um. Yeah, definitely. I take this as a promise, yeah. you know? Definitely. Well, I think New Zealand yeah. hosting that, uh, the Youth World Champs in... 2023. Is it still 2022 or is it now 2023? 2023. 2023 now. So that'll be a... Um, yep. We'll yep. definitely have to... That'll be our... At worst case, we'll get one for that. Yeah, that's our goal. No, but it's but it's really great that, that you're still here. And when, when we look to South Africa, they appeared once and then they disappeared again. And Australia... Yeah, you're you're pretty active. You have this podcast. You have fresh ideas. You try to be part of of every international championship. This is really great. Yeah, you you can really see that you are, yeah, that you're serious with what you're doing, and and you try to to advance and to come further. I hope I hope my boys will play against Australia one day. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, I think you know, for us, it's a big mindset change, right? You know, when we started playing seven years ago our whole goal was world championships and and starting up the federation and playing locally and just being able to play football but we're now it's a total mind shift now at this point where we now have to look to the future we have to look to sacrifice our own play our own focus to actually just get you know spend time going to schools and trying to get youth players playing which is purely really for them not for us um and so you know it's something we've been talking about for the last you know, a couple of years, um, but it's about setting those goals and pushing through it. But I mean, yeah, definitely, we know that we're we can't be representing Australia probably at the next at Mannheim. <laughs> we 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 need young. At least half of the team has to be in the twenties um, or less. So that's what our aim is. You know, we're being realistic about it because we also know that the sport will not continue if we don't see the next generation because. If we're, if we're 50 year old blokes playing fistball the fistball is it's just become a pastime for us where we're going to go to international tournaments but we're not really playing fistball you know as a as an australian nation so we're realistic about it but we just need to set some goals yeah. oh and i think that's it if you're not if you don't have that succession plan in place then you have you have the risk of what happened to denmark where they they just had one team of guys that was playing and they were quite good. They got to a really high level, but then all of a sudden they just sort of got old and then they stopped playing and then that was it. There was no 
Danish fistballs didn't didn't exist for ten years basically until mm. some other people came and started it from scratch. And it's like, well, we, yeah, we and I th- as I th- we sort of as when you, we started out, it was it was kind of I guess selfish goals. Of, yeah, just us wanting to to play for Australia to World Championships. But then I guess once you've done it and you you realise how amazing this sport is and this fistball family and the great experiences that you've had it's like well i want i want other people to have a chance to experience what i've what i've had any chance to and be part of this global fistball family and so it's yeah it's definitely a a, a different mindset but yeah we, we've um it's also hard you know hard getting those young people and getting it started so it's yeah it's gonna be gonna be fun yeah yeah but this is this is really comparable to the situation of of german clubs for for example it's absolutely the same. We had a lot of lot of German clubs in the last years which just disappeared. Um, mm. They are they just not more um, there anymore because they played and they played and they got 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 and they didn't start anything with their own kids or with kids from school or whatever. And now mm. the whole club disappeared. They they are yeah. no more there in Fistball. Mm. So this is it's exactly the same situation. Um, even when, when I think back in Stammheim, um, when, when I started playing actively, we were, as I said before, in the fourth or fifth league. There, there wasn't any success. But then mm. the, the people before us, they started um, with youth training. They, they taught us how to play. And then we taught the next youth players how to play. This is how you get it started. And somehow um, you can make your way into the top six or top seven nations. Yeah. The, this, this way is absolutely possible. It's like Chile does, for example, or Italy. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. don't have too many players, but just um, train and, and take the next generation. Mm. And honestly, with Australia, I mean, we have we have the best setup in that we can get youth players in, send them to an under eighteen World Champs in New Zealand, and if they love it, we can basically say to them, "If you keep playing, you can be you can represent Australia at World Champs for the next fifteen years." And then we can, you know, get other other under eighteen players and get them through, and then just slowly start building these tiers of, you know, players a couple of years apart that can, hopefully, keep the game going if they're passionate about it. But you got to get the first team. That's the start. That would be really perfect. Mm. Sounds sounds like a long way, but but yeah, one step after the other. I think this is right. The the thing you have to do it, or yeah. not not you in special, mm. but everybody in football. No matter if you are a German club or. The Australian nation. Yeah, and in worst case, fifteen years, Malonai's kids will will play the women's team. <laughs> yeah, will be the the female U eighteen Australian national team. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, ne- neither girls have shown any interest in sport whatsoever. But one thing I will point out is that both girls, whenever they see a sport on TV, they go, "Dad, is that fistball or football?" And I love that they're, the, they're the only two choices they put out there. So that's that's a good sign, I think. Yeah, well, I have. Uh, there was one one really promising sign that I had for my oldest daughter was um, a couple of her school friends uh, play basketball on a Saturday morning, and uh, she was staying with them one weekend, and so they took her along to to go to the basketball. And she's like, "Oh, can I play?" And they said, "Oh, no, no, like you, you can't just turn up and play. You have to like." come to training on Sunday mornings and then, you know, if you start coming to trainings on Sundays, then you can play on Saturdays. She's like, oh, I don't train. And I was like, <laughs> that is my kid right there. She was just... Future fistballer. That was the end of her basketball career right there. So she was just, I'm not training. And Before it even began. And to, and to be honest, if she had to come out and said, I want to play basketball, I have to 
play Saturdays, train Sundays, I would have been like, oh, there is no way that we're taking you to basketball both mornings of a weekend. I'm like, it's not happening. So she she read the she read the writing on the wall there, but I was very <laughs> impressed with her just refusal to train. I like that's I like that. But you have to change your answers. The answer should have been no, you cannot go to basketball because you're going to be a fistball player. Yeah. Exactly. That would have been the right answer. <laughs> speaking of um speaking of development <laughs> segue. Um, you were heavily involved in us getting Tommy to to come out to Australia. Yeah, which Tommy Helmer, yeah, yes, which was um, you know obviously he was developing probably older players than would have been ideal perhaps, but he I think it was a massive part of our history of Australian football and also of our development. I think just in how the game needs to be played and how it needs to be um, taught just the ideals of what fistball should be. So, yeah, how did you get involved in that process? Because I, I remember I reached out to Carl Weiss uh, originally, um, and then you got roped in. Uh, how did that all happen? Well, this, this, this was the normal way. In this time, I was responsible for the nations. Mm. Um, it was called uh, development director, which is a, a bigger word than maybe it was. Um, and Carl just told me, hey, the Australians are looking um, for a guy. They, they need somebody. Could you just help in this? And I said, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm going to help. And I tried to promote it and to communicate it and just started to search um, via Facebook and talking to people and yeah, what, whatever channels I could use. And there were some people who asked and who seemed to be interested. And I was very surprised that, that Tommy came up because he was in a, in a situation in his life that I wouldn't have expected him to, to go away for a year or, or even longer. Mm. Um, but the more we talked the more he, he got interested and the more he seemed to be yeah, really planning in his head, how can I do this? Um, how can this project be a part in my life? Hmm. And, and I felt he was really serious with it. And, and yeah, pretty, pretty fast after some talk with him, it, it was pretty clear. Um, it's not only being a coach down there, as, as you said, uh, teaching the old man how to play, <laughs> but also to, to bring some Sister Bennett to uh, Sister Bennett Sustainability. Just a sustainable, yes, a sustainable. Uh, well, what a hard word. Can you say it again for me? Maybe Sus I can teach you the German one then. Sustainability. This is what I wanted to say. Thank you. Nach Nachhaltigkeit. Now it's your turn to say Nachhaltigkeit. Oh, goodness. Nachhaltigkeit. Ah, great. You're, you're better than me. Nachhaltigkeit. <laughs> no, um, because he, 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 worked, um, he worked in a club in, in Unterhaugstedt and um, mm. he, he leaded a youth team from, I don't know, 12 years up to a men's team. And he didn't yeah. only teach them how to play fistball, but also how to, to train kids, um, how to develop something, how to really make it sustainable. And that is what, what we were, yeah, what was pretty clear needs to be brought yeah. to Australia. Yeah. And that was his mission, what he wanted to do. So it was, in my eyes, it was the best option. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. We did have, um, I mean, we had, and they're just the ones that got through to me. I think we had about 10 or 12 applications or 10 or 12 people that reached out and said that they were interested in, yeah. in the, yeah, some, some of them perhaps just initial feelers probably couldn't realistically do it. But yeah, Tommy was obviously really quite serious about it. And the more I talked with him, the more passionate about it he was and you know we had a few phone chats and you know really kind of got the right vibe that uh because you know i didn't want to sell him on a on a trip that wasn't what it was i guess you know i didn't want to <laughs> set, set up some kind of scenario that he would then come here and go oh that's not what i thought it was going to be so 
And, you know, I think he had some difficult times early on, perhaps, um, just kind of adapting. But by the end of it, I mean, he was, you know, we we're like a little family in, in Vidithur. And he got very, you know, he got a very, I don't mind, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, he got very emotional at the end of it all. You know, it was like a really big uh, trip, a big moment in his life. Um, and, you know, we were just so happy to be a, a part of that, I think. And It was, it was for sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is also uh, what what he told me when when we talked about it um, in the World Champs 2019 in Switzerland. Also, afterwards, it wasn't only the the sports that that really fascinated him and to try to develop something, but it also were the people and the way of living and and how you just deal with it, with situations and and all the differences between Europe, which is very straight and clear. Yeah, and the Australian way of living. This is what impressed him a lot and, and what he enjoyed a lot. Yeah, yeah. We'll get him on the podcast at some point. Tommy, if you're listening, we're not. Yeah, we're, we're setting you up for a future episode. Don't worry, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will listen to this one for sure. I, I still remember Tommy's Tommy's very first training session in Australia. It was, um, it was a, I think it was a Saturday or Sunday morning. And we, we had a tournament that like, sort of later that afternoon. And um, and so we yeah we sort of got everyone together and and we had a, a team of guys who were very talented but let's say they were fairly non-committed <laughs> and they turned up at like ten o'clock in the morning like already drinking to this first <laughs> training session and I just remember thinking oh god what what is this German guy what's going through his head right now as <laughs> these Members of the of the guys aspiring to be in the Australian team have turned up drinking to the first training session at ten o'clock in the morning, and it was really hot. I remember it was it was mm. like, it was quite hot. And then he's like, "Oh, we're just going to do a do a bit of a warm up. Let's just run four laps of the oval." <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, and most of us looked around, like, "We can't run four laps of an oval. That's not a warm up. Like, that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> like, I need to do a warm up to be able to run four laps of the oval, <laughs> like, and then you go home." <laughs> Without touching even one ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember when uh, when we used to have uh, warm ups with I think Lucas Klinger, a German guy. I don't know if you know him, Alvin, but he. Um, no, I don't know him. Okay, he um, he was uh, Rolf's au pair for a little bit. Um, he just came out backpacking in Australia, but then uh, was with Rolf for a little while there. But he, I remember he ran a warm up session for us um, before one of our. Um, I think it was before one of the the first World Champs um, training session. And, you know, it's like a whole bunch of laps around the court doing a lot of uh, lunges and a lot of jumps. And I remember just at the end of that warm-up session, everyone was basically on the ground, just like... Oh, I need Everybody another was done. <laughs> everyone was basically injured at that point, just like, oh, go on. Yeah. <laughs> Activating muscles we didn't know we had, you know? Um, yeah. So I hear your, your training sessions are really short. 10 minutes, intense, and then it's over. <laughs> Yes, and you only have to turn up to one of one every three or four training sessions. It seems mm. that's uh, something else Tommy had to learn when he got here. It usually revolves this: we get together, we stand around, we'll sort of slowly set the fields up, we'll talk a bit, we'll muck around, and then we'll usually do about a two-minute warm-up. We'll do about ten minutes worth of skill stuff, and then it's be like, "What do you reckon? Should we play some games?" It's like, "Yeah, let's just play some games," and then we just <laughs> <laughs> with a beer. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's a it's a totally different different approach to the to the whole sport thing, and I think it's it's also important to learn from each other um, how how Europeans do it, how Australian way of life can be combined with with the whole sport thing. Yeah, yeah. And this was a a learning lesson for him also. What have been your? I mean, this is a pretty standard question, but what have been your highlights and in your entire career? What 
What's been the the high point of your fistball life? Well, my, my life was dedicated to fistball for now 20 years. Mm. So as you can imagine, there are a lot of highlights. For sure, from a sportive way of look, um, sure, the, the German Championship 2010 that, that we won. Um, these were the, the most successful years in, in my career as a player from 2009 to 11. So the two, three years in this time, we were taking part in some German championships. We won three medals, winning the title in 2010, winning a silver and a bronze medal also in 10, 11. And yeah, then you're allowed to play in the Euro Cup, um, where the champions from Switzerland, Austria, Germany meet, where we won the silver medal. For sure, these were the sportive highlights. Mm. Um, but off the court, oh my God, so many highlights, so many travels to Colombia, to mm. Brazil, to Argentina, to Chile. Um, a lot of tournaments, championships, world championships. The first I remember is the world championships of the man 1999 in, in Switzerland. I, I, I wasn't really a fistball player in this time. I just started to be one and then we were there with our tents and with the Volkswagen bus from, from my parents. Nice. We just were camping there, drinking a lot of beer, doing party every night and really watching with big eyes how, how the guys from, from Brazil, Germany, wherever they came from, played on a level that was light years away from our level. Yeah, yeah. And so, of course, this was one of the first experiences that really was, was impressing for me. And during, during, the, re, uh, during the years... 2011, of course, World Championship in, in Linz, in Pasching, with the final that was great, playing in the night, um, floodlight playing. Mm. I was there for, for IFA also. Wow, so many highlights. We have been in a training camp in Turkey, training camp in Brazil, and meeting people from all over the world. Maybe this is the, the biggest achievement at all at the end. Um, when I look back, overwhelm the world in every country, not in every, but in a lot of countries, there are people I just could phone or just write a message and say, hey, can I come to your house? I need an, a bed to sleep tonight or mm -hmm. can we meet and have a beer? Yeah. Maybe this is, this is the best, this whole fistball family. This is not only a phrase. Fistball players only uh, really, really live this thing. Yeah. Fistball family, this is, yeah, it's, it's really, you can live it. And being a, a part of it, that is great. That is what I just appreciate so much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've had, how many uh, international fistballers come through Melbourne in particular um, and stay stay usually with Malcolm or stay with Ralph <laughs> or whatever you know? It's somewhat that so many have come through and they just reach out and we um, you know we try to we try to um, accommodate them. You know, we get we bring them along to a tournament, chuck them on a team, tell them not to play too well, and then uh, you know take them out to a pub somewhere and you know let them crash at our house or something like that. It's um, it is part of that. It's one of the disappointing things for me, just that we I got into it so late, not just because of the skill level, but just I haven't been able to travel as much as, you know, I have gotten to travel and I certainly take that, don't take that for granted, but just to you know be able to travel a lot when I was younger would have been fantastic to go to all these other tournaments, make other friends, you know, make connections and, and then be able to cash them in later when I travel as a backpacker, you know, that's... Uh, that is a big advantage in, in Austria. A lot of people come there. That, that is what, what I read from time to time, like, like Tobias Kleiner, Clemens Kronsteiner, whoever. They just come to Australia, travel, and if they are there, of course, they say, hey, I'm going to meet the fistballers there. Yeah, Sure, yeah. I want to play with them. I just want to meet them. 
that's mm-hmm. a that's a great thing. Yeah, I was I was just remembering a, a little story. I, I can tell you a funny story uh, when you ask for highlights. Um, there's a, a youth training camp for for kids um, in our region in Germany. About 500 people taking part. They're only fistballers, fistball kids, um, adults coming there with their trainers. And of course, in the evening, um, all the coaches are standing there at the beer wagon and just having some beers and enjoying the time. Yeah. And um, Kolja Meyer, I don't know if, if you have heard of him. It's also a long year um, Bundesliga player. He's he's the current national coach of the German U18 team. Okay. He and me, we were just um, in a kind of good beer mode. Uh, and we said, hey, maybe we can have a crap. Uh, a crab to eat and there's a crab stand of course it was closed in the middle of the night and we tried to enter it and, and made our own crabs <laughs> and of course uh, uh, a, a volunteer from the from the host he came and said hey no no come on get out here you cannot have a crab now it's, it's in the middle of the night and we said no no we need a crab really believe us we are doing it ourselves and she said no no we don't have any eggs left you cannot do any crab and we said okay if you don't have any eggs this is really disappointing. We're going to bring our own chicken the next time. <laughs> and, and really, before the camp in the next year started, Kolya called me. Hey, Ivan, you know, there will be the camp. Do you remember last night what we said about the chicken? I said, yeah, sure. It was a funny thing. But why do you call me? And he said, I have a chicken. I will bring it to the next camp. <laughs> is this okay for you? And so we brought the chicken to the next uh, training camp. And of course, from the, from the first day on, all the kids were asking, why do you have a chicken with you? What is this? Um, is it living in your tent? And we said, no, no, this is a chicken. And, and um, it has a lot of eggs. And that is why we can make crap for all of you. <laughs> and we, we talked with the host and we went to a supermarket and bought, I don't know, 50 or 100 eggs. And at one evening, we made, Collie and me made crabs for all the kids, crabs wow. for free. And this was a, it was such a nice story because in one year, you just play around a bit saying, yeah, okay, we're going to bring our own chicken. And in the next year, for all the kids, it, it must have been the big highlight of this of this uh, yeah. camping, fistball camping. The two Bundesliga players were, were doing claps for them. Yeah, yeah. So this right. is just a little little story, <laughs> but it's it's a fun, funny episode out of yeah. out of the last twenty years. Oh, that's good. I like to imagine the the chicken just looking at all those eggs, just going, "Did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> what did we that happen? on the table? We went on the table beneath the eggs, and we told all the kids, yes, for sure, this is all yeah, made of this one chicken sure. <laughs> Yeah." I have to admit, it was about. I didn't know what you were talking about until about halfway through that story. I was like, "Crabs? <laughs> how common? Are, how common is eating crab over there that, that they can just go into a restaurant and eat crabs?" And then, and then you're talking about chicken. I was like, "What's he talking about chicken?" I was like, "Ah, oh, crepes. I touch crepes." You thought of the of, of of the animal from the sea with the with the scissors crepes. on the hand. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. And I was like, "What is he talking about, crabs?" I was like, "This makes no sense." <laughs> <laughs> this is a German thing. They eat crabs in the middle of the night. You know, that's no big deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where is he getting? Quite where are they getting crabs from? It. Look in the morning. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, so you see, if if we would do this in Germany, I would have said Pfannkuchen, and everything would have been totally clear. It would have all made sense. It's, it's not my fault. We're doing this in English. Uh, so you obviously, yeah, you said you, you played in an international, uh, in a German championship that, that you won. Did you ever sort of play in any or get close to playing any like any national German national team stuff when you were playing at that level, or were, were guys from your team playing in the German national team at that point? Um, half, half. Um, maybe, maybe it's it's the reason that I started with eighteen. So I missed, of course, a lot of the of the basic training when I was a kid. 
Um, I was invited from the um, from the coach. It was Olaf Neuenfeld at this time in 2005 and 2006. I was invited to the to the team training um, where we had a lot of players. I don't know, 20 or 25 players were invited. Um, he also invited me, and I had the honor to take part there and to train with the team and and were in a, a very big selection for the next upcoming tournaments. Yeah, but I didn't I didn't make it so far. So I never had a a real official game in the German jersey. I was allowed to play it for Germany one time. This was a kind of, of show match. Um, we had a, the change of, of generations. We had a very old team in this time and a lot of old players quit their careers. And so in a tournament in, in Hannover, in North Germany, there was a kind of show match. The young German team against the old German team. And the coach um, invited me to play with the young team. So I was allowed to wear the jersey, but it wasn't a, an official an official game. No. So no official national games for me. Mm. Yeah, sadly for you, it's it's just a little bit harder to get a game for the German national team than it is to get a game for the Australian <laughs> team. I wanted <laughs> to say this this is your advantage. You have a lot of a lot of games for your team, even world championship. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and basically the criteria is can you get leave from work? Yes. Congratulations, you're representing your country. Yeah, but this <laughs> is this is the James. same in Germany. This is absolutely the same in Germany. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> if, if you don't earn any money, it's all about do you study, do you work, can you take your time? That's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. always the same problems. Yeah. But if you're if you're dedicated to your sport, you you try to take your time. Yeah. So I I miss the most of my of my family celebrations because of fistball. All right. Because the normal the normal calendar planning is always where are the fistball and. If there is a Saturday free, of course you can go to the birthday of your grandma or something. <laughs> no, I missed I missed the most of them. Yeah. On the plus side, fistball is a is a good excuse to get out of going to various family things that you <laughs> yeah. don't really want to go to so much. Well, I don't know if it always was a good excuse and if everybody was happy with that. I don't know, but but for me it was a very good excuse. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, one other thing, I'm like this is a very unstructured interview, but. We, we haven't actually talked about <laughs> <laughs> the thing that is around Markham's neck, which is the Al- Alvin Oberkirsch medal. Was that a, how was that to know that we had named a medal after you? Um, yeah, how was, how was that not in your highlights? Yeah. This is, this is one of my highlights for sure. <laughs> I, I, would never have, I would never have expected that, that you name it after me because for me, it was here to help you, to, to find a coach, to, to get you Tommy mm. and to support you with this. But I wouldn't have expected something like this. And really, this is, is really an honor. Um, I'm, I'm really happy. Um, when I read of the Ivan Oberkirsch medal, it's, it's not normal um, <laughs> that, that you have a medal or ceremony named after you. Mm. No, this is really a, a great thing. Yeah. So thanks a lot for this, for this honor. <laughs> I mean, I think the story was that we, we were looking for a name for the new medal for the, the, the new division that we're forming, which had most of the Possums players playing in it. And uh, I think it was coming fresh off those world champs and you'd been such a, a help for them there and such a positive presence. And I think we wanted to throw that out in your honor. So uh, that's the story behind it. But yeah, it's, it's still contested. Malcolm's obviously won one, one or two. Well deserved. Just one. I think I'm a one-time winner, three-time runner-up. I think I've, I, in the, I think there's only been four and I think I was winner once and I've been runner-up the other three. So I'll have to, um, but, but you really wanted to win it. Yeah. Well, my, my teammate, Sammy's won the last two, so I'm just going to stop setting the ball to him next year. Just like, no, mate, you're, not getting, you're not getting any hits at all. I'm just going to totally, 
Totally shut yeah. him out. It's, no, it's more about no. the personal success than the team success. Exactly. You're absolutely right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> actually, I do have um, I do actually have a listener question. This is from a, a Loz Machim. Uh, this she <laughs> Loz Machim. Loz Machim. Uh, maybe I'm saying that wrong. Um, but she said, "Are you going to accept your position on the board of the ILWF, being the?" International Leg Wrestling Federation. I don't know what she's talking about. Oh, he maybe maybe it's a he. I don't know. No, I'm I'm officially part of the of the board. Mm. Yes, that's right of the International Leg Wrestling Federation, and also nearly undisputed, I would say. Because mm. when we we did have, I mean, this is completely unrelated, but we did have Liz Meacham on the uh, podcast um, a few episodes back. M- might be somebody else. Might be someone yeah. else, but just coincidentally, she was saying that her toughest uh, opponent prior to Patrick Thomas, admittedly, was you. So uh, <laughs> did you go up against Patrick? No, no. It must have been a night after I left. Um, uh, I didn't okay. know that this this whole uh, leg wrestling went went on at the World Championships. But it, it was a very, very funny night or a very funny evening. We were sitting there all together and just talking and having some drinks. And it, it was in the hotel. Um, mm. Somehow, I don't know how Liz um, brought this up. Yeah, what about leg wrestling? I'm really good in this. And all of us were saying, what is leg wrestling? We never heard of that. Yeah. And she thought, what? You never heard of that? Okay, I'm going to teach you. Come on. I will not only teach you, you have to try it. And everybody did leg wrestling, which, as you know, is very firm to, to arm wrestling, yes. but only with your leg. <laughs> and I, I tried and Liz beat me. Mm. I had no chance. And as I'm a... No, I don't want to lose. I'm not a guy who likes to use. And I started to think about how does this work. And as, as I studied sport, um, it's, it's a very analytical way how you, mm-hmm. you go with, with such um, things or sports. or Yeah, and then I thought, okay, I think it's not about the leg. It must be more about the whole body, um, about the hip. You, you need to, to, to <laughs> do it to the right timing. Yeah. And then I said, Liz, come on, I want to fight again. Yeah, and, and it worked. Um, and then I beat her and she was very upset because she, <laughs> told, uh, she told me, I, I have never lost even against men. I told him I'm the strongest one. I never lost. And so maybe I was the first one. And as I hear now, um, after I had to go home because of the, of the fire in the club, mm. um, she started to fight other guys also, like Patrick <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's new for me now. <laughs> yeah, she uh, sounds like she took it pretty well. She does, um, she does find a way, I hope she's listening, she does find a way to somehow bring up leg wrestling quite frequently, pretty, you know, without any intent of taking anyone on. You know, she just happens to bring it up and then takes someone on and then beats them. It just seems to be a very... Uh, a very repetitive system for her. She did the same thing in the uh, Asia Pacific Fistball Championships here in, in Australia. Um, ah, she's an ambassador of leg wrestling. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. she she loves it. <laughs> so well, go now, 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 two years later, I, I can confess it. There, there, there was no fire in the club. I just went home because I didn't want to lose a game. Smart. Very I was, smart. I was undisputed, unbeaten. And so I said, okay. Mission accomplished. I'm going home now. And I will never make a fight again before I could lose it. <laughs> Chop it off. <laughs> what is this like? A re- re- retired champion? What is the uh, what is the word in, in boxing? Uh, reigning champion? If, if, if you retire? Oh. Uh, no, no, no. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, Vit- Vitaly Klitschko was it. Be- because he, he stopped his career um, without being forced to. And then he was a kind of, I don't uh. know. Uh, a yeah. champion that 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 will never lose his status, something like yeah. that. But I, I don't remember the word. Right. 
Yeah, when when no, you don't actually lose the title, you just stop fighting, kind of thing. I, yeah, there is a word for it. I can't think yeah, it off the top yeah. of my head either. Right, right. That that is that is what I decided to do. Mm, nice. But it's a, it's a, it's a funny thing, and this is one of the of the stories that that shows so perfect uh, how Fistball Family works. Um, I think that the most of us really try to to do the sport very serious. We we train a lot, and um, we train four or five times a week and yeah it's it's really about the sports and about success but also beneath the sports maybe the championship at a tournament wherever you always find time for for little fun stories for drinking a beer for getting new people to know yeah this is one of mm. the very beautiful things about our sports and the like wrestling federation <laughs> yeah this this is part of this whole story yeah have you been out to australia before never any intention what, what would we have to do to get you out here? Open the borders for a start. <laughs> it's really time. It's really time. But it's a, but it's a long flight. And, and with the kids, yeah. it will be difficult. And without the kids, it will be difficult too. So there's, yeah, maybe in 15 years or something. 15 years under 18. Or if you host the World Tour Finals. Because we are, we are qualified with, with Stamheim. I will be forced to come then. <laughs> awesome. That's the plan. That's the plan. Otherwise, U18 World Championship in 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> me, and Rolf were, me and Rolf were tossing around the idea of hosting like a Masters World Cup or something out here at some point just for get the uh, the over 35s out here that have probably got a, a bit more money and that kind of thing and could, could splash out a bit. But I don't know. We'll have to, Maybe we'll have to flesh that idea out more. We thought maybe we'll get Hapo on the job up in Townsville and oh, yeah. we can all just go on a holiday and play fistball up there. That, that, that'd be an all right trip, I think, that we'd get a few <laughs> on board for. Mm. Yeah, but a, but a Masters World Championship in Australia would be nice. Yeah. I've, I've, I've played once in, in Vöcklabruck uh, some years ago. That, that was really nice. Mm. A lot of old men playing fistball just just meeting. <laughs> Not moving much. Yeah. You can, <laughs> <laughs> no... I think you can you, you you can say like this: the the real success, the real championships are, are for the young guys, are for mm. youth players, are for really athletic guys in their twenties. If if old guys like us are playing a championship, it's really a nice thing and it's a lot of fun. But for me, it feels more like a tournament mm. and and not that much like a like a world championship yeah. or something. Yeah. But it's fun, and if you want to host our Masters World Champs, we'll be there. Yeah. I will bring a team for sure. Beautiful. We'll start the planning process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, do you have any other questions, Mal? I don't have anything else. Uh, I, I have a couple of listener questions. Ooh. These ones have really they've just come through. They're so they're so fresh. The people who sent them don't even know they've sent them yet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> cutting edge, cutting edge podcasting. Uh, this one comes um, from a, a, I think it's a Trent Lehman. Um, Trent the Jellyfist Lehman, I think his name is, and <laughs> I hope you. I think you might know where I'm going with this. I hope you remember it. Uh, his question is what another strange guy never heard of <laughs> his qu- his question is what is your favorite interview that you've ever done in your fistball career <laughs> that's a very easy question there was maybe maybe he thinks of that i don't know maybe not um, but but it's very easy for me to answer <laughs> it was at a, at a world championship 2015 and um, there's a player i don't know if you know him He's called Brent Lehman. I don't know if yeah. he was. He's a former yeah. player of Australia, I think. Kind of rings a bell. Maybe, maybe heard of. Maybe heard of. He him. might be a cousin of Trent Lehman. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe Trent can tell him that, that we talked about Brent. Um, yeah, and and Brent and me, we are ah uh, maybe round about the same size, and mm-hmm. it was a game Australia versus Austria. 
And we had Clemens Grundsteiner also for the interview. And Brandon and me, we weren't too happy because Clemens was one meter higher than us, one meter taller. And so we decided to change the whole thing and, and we got two chairs and Brandon and me stood on the chairs and Clemens was standing beneath us on the floor. And so it looked in the, in the video, it looked like both of us were taller than him and we're just doing it very serious and just, yeah, just ignoring the, the whole situation, just having a good interview. And, and right in the end, um, Vali, the, the guy from, from IFA, um, went down with the camera to our feet and uh, so it was it was solved um, what was the reason for this uh, for this growth of brand and me was it was a funny thing yeah, there's a great photo of it we'll have to also one of the small stories we'll have to use that photo as part of your little uh little photo montage that you do for the uh yeah there is one for the um there, there is one do, do you do you have the picture i think we do somewhere yeah i'm pretty sure it's yeah we've yeah, got it somewhere do, yeah. uh, you'll, you'll find it Perfect. It's just one of those funny things that I remember because I, I didn't sort of know what was happening, and all of a sudden I just look over and there's just yeah, Brent and Alvin standing on these white plastic lawn chairs, and the camera, and I was just like, yeah. "What is happening here?" And and yeah, you can see they're giving like a fairly serious interview, and yeah, and it was like a, like a classic. Mm. And I think we've got video footage of uh, right. I don't know if it's right before the interview or right after the interview, but someone goes up and gives Brent. A wet willy in the ear. I don't know if you're familiar with those ones, Alvin. It's where basically uh, someone you put your finger in your mouth and then you shove it in someone's in their uh, eardrum. <laughs> someone did that to him right don't before. Don't remember interview. that. <laughs> you don't remember that. You were just out of shot. Don't remember me. that. <laughs> I've sent you the video of that. No, too. no. If you if no if, if you do an interview, you always have to do it serious. There's mm. there's no space for things like that. No. Okay. I think this is not this is not appropriate for for a sport. Was it, it, that was, not not having any fun. <laughs> that was a bit of a weird theme of that whole uh, world championships just the wet willy i was thankfully <laughs> never i was never a, a victim but uh, i saw it happening quite a few times usually when it, whenever anyone was in an intense conversation someone would come in from the side and stick a finger <laughs> yeah. in their ear that's the sort of maturity you were dealing with from the uh <laughs> the australian team the, the 35 year old australian guys <laughs> that are just yes. Being, being kids again perfect yeah, yeah. Nice, nice yeah another one hot off the presses uh this one comes from a, 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 a jenny leon oh. i think her name jenny jenny leon uh, and she wants to know what what is your favorite fistball team that wears purple <laughs> wow okay pretty open-ended question yeah, i have to think yeah. for a long time now yeah i have to go through them all. well i have like about 15 20 teams i'm thinking now playing in purple Mm. Yeah, but I think the possums should possum? should do the race. Nice. Otherwise, uh, when I when I think of the possum, it's it's not so much about the jerseys; it's about the possums themselves. Mm. So yeah, they they make the race. They are the best. They are the winner for sure. <laughs> Hopefully, we can get a possums team to uh, probably not obviously not the next one, not this one this year, but uh, maybe in in two years' time or whenever the next world champs is. Hopefully, we can get a possums team over there to continue the legacy. I'm not sure what the schedule for I'm not sure I'm not sure what the schedule for women's world championships will be going ahead because I think now that if well with women's festival being included in the world games it might become more every four years for the women's world champs if they've got world games mixed in there as well possibly rather than every two years I'm not I'm not sure if you do you know any more about that from the IFA perspective well yeah it's a, it's a topic that is discussed but I don't know if there's still a decision um, of course it's a it's a thing we, we must talk or think about, but I don't think that there is a decision yet. Hmm. But maybe a chance if the if the international calendar is not so full, maybe a chance to to have a good women's um, 
Oceania, Asia, Pacific Championship, something like that, mm. in a in a two years rhythm, mm. in the years where there's no World Games and no World Championship. Yeah. But it's a it's a big step for Fisball to to be in the World Games program also with the with the women. Yeah, definitely. It's a very very big step for yeah. us. Yeah, that's huge. Is it eight teams or six? In the first World Games? Um, I think it's six. Okay. I think it's six. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's six. Mm. Still, that's great. That's huge. Um, probably should have been in there at the same time as the men. I'm not sure why one got in before the other, but it's it's awesome that they'll be in there competing. Yeah, and the, the World Champs this year in Jona, they mm. shall take place. Mm. Well, I don't know if, if they really can at the end, but but the plannings are for this year. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so hopefully it... Yeah. Yeah, I know they've put in so much work, and it'll be a it'll be a fantastic event there in Yona. So yeah, we're just we're all keeping our fingers crossed that um, that it'll go ahead because yeah, it'd be it'd be a disaster if they had to to cancel again or, or reschedule after. Yeah. At the moment, yeah. So when there's there's not really any national fistball happening anywhere much in the world. So um, yeah, it's all a bit of a waiting game at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. We we have we have to hope that 2022 everything will be better. Yeah. Are you going to continue commentating? Or are you, you, going to, you sounded like you were about to step aside from that, that you were about to give it away. Yeah, a little, little bit. I, I think it, it depends also on the, on the championship or on the, on the event. Hmm. I wouldn't say that I will never do commentary again. Of course, it's, it's always an option. Um, but for, for the next years, maybe it will be more the focus for me on the referees mm-hmm. um, because I, I took over the job as head of the referee commission. But of course, if somewhere uh, commentary is needed and I'm there, for sure, I can I can do it. So it's mm. not in general that I will not do it again, but it's it's not the first choice. Yeah, maybe I can do a Australian version only for you. Yeah, yeah, I love that. With a well, with, with a with a headset um, <laughs> beneath uh, talking to the referees. <laughs> I love that. Like we were we were tossing up a while ago that we you know we're always available for special comments. You know, yeah. just for a couple of Aussies to come on and, and give their their opinion on the game. You know, we have a lot of opinions. If the IFL let us <laughs> if the IFL let us come in and talk about what beers we're drinking while we do the commentary, then we're more than happy to get on board. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe can can be kind of sideshow that, yeah. that we have to do there. <laughs> So yeah. beneath beneath the games and the commentary, there's also the the beer club of Australia talking about <laughs> all the things that happen at the competition. Yeah, but not on the field. <laughs> well, you should sub us sub us in for the games where there's you know seventeen hit rallies, and we can just throw out anecdotes <laughs> about our time in fistball like we do on this podcast. Yeah. just go off on tangents, talk about everything, it'll be fine. Yeah, we're... that is a good solution. Yeah. If <laughs> if we've learned anything from our time doing this podcast, is that we can fill time talking on air about just <laughs> fistball nonsense that is our specialty and, and i can really imagine doing this in a big beer tent mm. having some live listeners not only in a post podcast that would be great oh, yeah. everybody can order beer you're sitting over there on the table <laughs> and just talking doing it very interactive with the whole beer tent. Oh, absolutely it's one thing one avenue they haven't done at world championship is is, is off-field commentary so just just commentating on the tournament itself just us in the beer hall just talking about the world championships yeah. that will be a success yeah. i'm pretty sure that that will be a success just keep the the contact to valley um tell him give him your your project yep. i'm sure uh you can develop this <laughs> Fist. Boy. all right well if we don't have anything else um should we move on to shout outs now do you have any shout outs uh Again, I'm, I've, I'm un- you've caught me un- unprepared. I haven't thought about it. You never. 
<laughs> Didn't know a podcast was coming up. As, as always, <laughs> it's only episode seventeen. Give me a minute. Give me a, give me time to figure out what I'm doing here and who working out who I'm gonna shout out to. I'll give you one. We haven't given a shout out to Benny Giles yet. So uh, oh that's, god, give me this. I am in yeah. I am in bad form, aren't I? How did I forget? How did I forget <laughs> Benny? Did you meet my cousin Benny in Winterthur? You might you might have left before uh, before then. My cousin uh, Benny, who came over with us, he's uh, well, we've spoken about him on a lot of the podcasts. He's the world's most uh, dedicated fistballer. But uh, yeah, he was there. He, he was he was obsessed with the um the meat on the stick thing. I don't know if it was like a kebab. <laughs> did you ever? Did you see yeah. those? And people were eating at the World Champs. It was just <laughs> just chunks of meat. <laughs> no, I don't think I ate them. them too. He loved them. Yeah. I think that's his profile pic right now. Is him? Yeah, it's just those just him stick. holding a meat on a stick. <laughs> so sh- sh- shout out to him. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Of course, we, we we have to give a shout out to Tommy Helber for yes. sure. Um, yeah. He's he's the one who yeah who, who combines everything of Australian and German fistball knowledge. Yeah, big shout out to him. Absolutely, um, and hopefully. It's, oh, uh, sorry, I I didn't think of one. I think I actually oh, it's so hard to remember now who I've shouted out to in previous podcasts. I think I might have given this shout out in the Laurie aborted podcast, but maybe I did. I don't know. I'll do it anyway. We spoke a bit about Australia being the best dressed fistball nation. By a long way. There is one other guy who I will give a shout out to who the 2015 World Championships, I think you probably might have been at this. There was a dinner thing about midway through the tournament. It was the night of the big hailstorm when all the like the IFA. Yeah, when everything flew away. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a big dinner there that night. And there's a guy who's from the Czech Republic. He's one of the assistant coaches or a coach. Peter Riedel, I think his name is. Peter Riedel. Peter Riedel. Yeah. And he was wearing this really cool old school blazer with the Czech um, fistball logo on it. Okay, okay. And I was like, he was the only other guy at the entire World Championships that I saw dressed with a blazer like what we had on. And I remember complimenting him on his blazer and he was very impressed. And then he didn't have it in 2019 and I was like... Where's the blazer? And I, was, I don't even know if he understood what I was talking about, but he's the only other guy. He's the only other guy that can hold a, that can hold a, a cat to the Australians in the on the in the best dressed fistball status. So um, yeah, shout out to Peter Riedel, who I'm sure is listening <laughs> to this podcast. The honorary Australian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll follow on from that now. Uh, just a random shout out. I'll give a shout out to the Italians as well because they, uh, yes. I think, after those world champs at the 2019 world champs, they all turned up in their uh, their nice white shirt with the the suit jackets and the mm. the hair slicked back. They all looked very very sharp, and I like to think that we influenced them on that. So shout out to the Italian fistball team. Yeah, true. <laughs> and you, you expect a lot of good dressed people. You expect the Italians to be well dressed. That's what they do. You know, like. Well, I think that's what I think that's what happened. I think they came away from that and said, "Wait, people expect us to be well dressed. Why are we not the best dressed here?" Yeah, Every, everybody expect the Italians, right? Yeah, yeah, and they they just stepped it up. I expect that 2023, everyone's coming out in blazers. I'm gonna if anyone who comes out in tracksuit is just gonna get a vicious beat down on this podcast <laughs> after 2023. It's a it's a lot about clothes, yeah. You, you talk about talk about making this event more serious, and they're turning up in. In you know tracksuits that you wear on the couch and you're sitting at home on a Sunday watching TV, <laughs> Dorito stains on it. It's, you know that's, that's not good enough. Yeah. It's loungewear. <laughs> loungewear, exactly. 
Uh, well, I have I, I have to give another shout out. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. To all your sons and daughters who will be the <laughs> U18 national teams in 15 years. Yeah. I give a big shout out. I hope to see them on the court. Yeah. So I'll give a shout out to your kids as well. So you've got, do you say you've got three sons? Three boys. Three boys. Yeah, three boys. Okay. Four, six and eight now. Okay. So similar-ish ages. How old's um, Bonnie? She's seven, right? Bonnie's seven, yeah. So I've, I've got yeah. seven, two and a half and mm, three months. So... Fun times. <laughs> sounded, sounded like you wanted to round that up yeah. or something. <laughs> Just, that was exactly. Yeah. Can, how can I make her be older than she is? Yeah. Yes, but I, mine are four and six, so they're all in the same ballpark. So yeah, maybe they will be in the uh, the same under eighteen uh, fistball champs. We we will meet at a lot of championships. Mm. I'm pretty sure. We'll be chasing your teenage boys away from our teenage girls. Going get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might happen. Might happen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, well then we should we should probably sign off. Alvin, thank you for for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you for for inviting me. It was a big pleasure to looking back to all the years. Yeah, and just having a little fun with you again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and hopefully we can uh, not just at the next uh, under 18 and 15 years time. You know, hopefully we can uh, yeah obviously catch up with you again. Uh, in the immediate future, and on a fistball field, preferably. Mm. Looking forward for this, yeah. or maybe when we come to Australia. Yes, yeah. it'd be great yeah. to play there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I know Milne's <laughs> desperate to organise another major tournament here in Australia. You had so much fun the last time <laughs> doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I'll do a little differently next time. <laughs> uh, Alvin, thanks again for coming on, and hopefully see you soon. And Uru and fist on. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Uru, fist on. Uru and fist on. Thanks, guys. Fist. Fist. Fist.